You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to our Sunday gathering. Uh, My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been out for a few weeks. Our family's been sick, so it's so good to be back here and gathering with the church. And And just to be reminded what a grace it is to gather with the church uh, on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, we, we don't gather to have an emotional high, although we might have our emotions stirred. We don't gather because there's a charismatic personality preaching, right? Thank goodness um, for me, at least. Uh, we, we gather because God has promised that when we come around his word, when we confess it, when we read it, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, that his spirit and his presence will meet with us, his family. And so let us rest in that promise this morning. If you're new with us and you're visiting, we're so glad that you're here. And we believe that it's no accident that you're here, that God has brought you here uh, for a purpose and that has grace for you this morning as you're here. So we're so glad to be here. It's good to be back. We're continuing a series called Blueprint, really looking back at Acts chapter 2, primarily verses 42 through 47, considering what should the church be, right? The church as it should be. We've been walking through this over the past few weeks and looking at this blueprint God has given to us in the ancient church in Acts. Last week, Jordan did a great job reminding us that the church is a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people. So if you, if you didn't catch that sermon, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, and today, we're going to continue looking at God's blueprint for the church, and we're going to see that the blueprint calls us to make disciples, that discipleship is an essential part of what it means to be the church. At baptism, you might not have realized this, but every one of us, when we were baptized, we're signing up for this lifelong process. We were called into this journey of discipleship, to be discipled and to make disciples. As we say it here at Redeemer, kind of shorthand, it's learning and living the way of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look back again at Acts chapter 2, and I want to give you four things about discipleship that kind of will help us uh, frame our view of discipleship and move forward into that calling. So let's pray, and then we'll jump back into Acts 2, 42 through 47. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have given us your word inspired by your spirit. And this morning, as we go back again to Acts and look at this blueprint, as we look at the ancient church, these rhythms and the way that they lived and the way that your spirit poured out, I pray that our hearts would be moved by your spirit. I pray that the same spirit who inspired this text would illuminate it to us this morning. And Lord, that you would show us the the beautiful vision you call us into to be disciples, to make disciples to grow up into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you've not left us, but your presence is with us. Your word is guiding us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, let's go ahead and look at Acts 2.42 through 47. You should have it memorized by now, I hope. That, you know, we're going to have a quiz at the end of the series, just kidding. We don't do quizzes here, so you can relax. <clears throat> uh, Acts 2.42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The first thing I want to point out here that we see in the text is that discipleship is wholehearted. Discipleship is wholehearted. And what I mean by this word wholehearted is that discipleship engages the whole person, the whole of who you are. We could use the word holistic. Um, it involves our minds. We see this in the text as, as they're, they're, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. It involves our affections, our heart. The scripture sometimes uses the word cardia, our, our will and our loves. Right? We see that there's a new affection, a new heart that these, these young believers are given. And finally, it involves our hands, our actions, what we do. Um, head, heart, and hands, if you want to use that shorthand. When we look at Acts 2.42, we see this at work. We see in verse 42, they were devoted uh, to learning the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to attending the temple where they would worship and learn and hear the Old Testament explained. We see their affections are reordered. That is to say that their loves and what they once wanted have now uh, been, been reordered around Christ. We see a sense of awe in verse 33 of, at the works and the wonders that are going on. There's, a, there's an inward affection to Jesus that is happening in this young church. And finally, there is transformed actions. There's obedience. These, this group of believers are unified around Christ. They're sharing their possessions. They're obeying the command of Jesus to love God and love one another. We see this holistic view of discipleship in other parts of Scripture. I can think of, uh, when I think of renewing our minds and engaging our thinking, I, I think of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through one through two that says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we see this, this aspect of being a disciple of Jesus is that I need to have my mind, my thinking renewed. But this is not everything of discipleship. We also see in the scriptures more testimony about new affections in the heart. I think of the Beatitudes in the Gospels that show us a new vision for what we should love and what we should see as the good life, right? Not blessed are the rich and powerful, but blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who are persecuted. There's a new vision for what is the good life. I'm reminded of Paul when he talks about how what he once valued and what he once thought was gain, he now, because of Jesus, because of a new heart, he considers it loss. He considers it rubbish. And he considers uh, what he has in Christ, joy. There's a new affection that happens that we grow in as disciples. And then finally, there's a new obedience our hands are engaged as disciples. Even the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19, 19 through 20, tells us this. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end 
of the age. You see, discipleship involves obedience. By the way, obedience is not a bad word. Sometimes in, in our tribe, we can think obedience is kind of this, you know, it's all, it's all grace. Grace is not opposed to obedience. Grace enables and empowers obedience from the heart. And God cares about obedience. He cares about us doing good, being a people of good works. You see, the problem that we often face when we talk about discipleship is that we, we tend to reduce discipleship usually to one of those three things. Maybe it's, it's only about learning new things about God, or maybe it's only doing good deeds, or maybe it's only experiencing new affections and, and having this emotional high. We tend to reduce it to one of those things. Some of us tend to be uh, what I'm going to affectionately call bobblehead disciples. I think I sold this from someone else. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, for, for bobblehead disciples, if you, you know, you kids know what a bobblehead is, it's, it's a little ornament that, that kind of has a skinny body and a big head, and it wiggles around, okay? So it's kind of, uh, ma- I'm making fun of a, of a, of a big head here. Uh, no offense if you have a big head either. So I have, I have a pretty big head. But for, for a bobblehead disciple, discipleship is exclusively, almost exclusively about gaining more knowledge. So, so for me, discipleship looks like reading books, exegeting scripture, podcasting theology. Uh, the bobblehead disciples is quick to point out uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2, which I just pointed out to you. But that's kind of their go-to verse, and that's exclusively kind of what they look to. And, and hear me say this. Learning and studying scripture and having our minds renewed is an essential aspect of discipleship. But it's not the whole. The Spirit indeed does use the Word of God, and that requires us to grow in understanding it. But you're not just a head on a stick, right? You're not just a brain. You're more than that. There's more than that to who you are. Bobblehead discipleship can sometimes believe that if we only got the data right, if we only got the theological terms correct, if we only had the right interpretation, then we and the church would be whole, it would be good, then we would be growing as disciples. But if it's only our thinking that we engage, if it's only the head, we'll be malformed and malnourished representatives of Jesus. Um, Sadly, some of the meanest, harshest, relationally incompetent Christians I know are incredibly smart, and incredibly studied in the scriptures. They're a giant when it comes to reciting theological terms and definitions, and they're a baby when it comes to loving people. Their affections and emotional life often seem disconnected, even discounted from existence, and and even often the dominant feeling you get from them is anger, and kind of they're always, you're just kind of watching for what you say. Right? Nothing preaches grace like anger and joylessness. Um, <laughs> and often their, their way of life, if this is the only category of discipleship, their way of relating in the world uh, and, and doing good deeds is really disconnected. It's disproportionate to this mountain of knowledge that they've obtained. Now, there are others 
who we might call, and I forgive me, these terms can always maybe be offensive, but it's part of the thing. So uh, others who might be what we might call whoosh disciples, okay? These are disciples who, for them, discipleship is about the next religious experience. They're, they're, they're all into, hey, I want to go and play worship music for hours, and I want to feel that feeling of God's presence, and I want to just have that experience, right? They come to church, but maybe they uh, endure the preaching, and they endure the, the advertisements that come to an equipped class, uh, but they really just, man, they just want to worship, and they just want to feel the presence of God. Right? Let's not get too deep into theology or, or drab on the just scripture. Give me an experience. This person might have had a ministry experience. Maybe they had a time, you had a time in college when, when you just, man, it just felt right. And, and it just felt a certain way. And you're looking to kind of recapture that kind of moment. When you walk into church or in a small group, you're looking to see, are you, uh, are you feeling it? Are you feeling it? Is it doing it for you? And there's whole segments of the modern church devoted to feeding their worship experience. It's real easy to conjure up an experience with fog, lights, the magic keypad, you know, the Holy Spirit keys. No offense to keys. We love keys. But it's, but it's easy to conjure. And I want to say this again. Our affections, our emotions, this is a part of who we are. This is a part of discipleship. But if we make it the whole, it becomes distorted. It becomes deformed. You see, if we reduce discipleship to experiences, if we seek first the experience, we might mistake emotion for God's presence. And then the absence of emotion or experience or being around a group of people that do it for you um, you mistake for his absence. We ride the roller coaster of emotions and, and we judge churches or groups of people based on how we are experiencing them. And this disciple may one minute be on fire for Jesus, setting goals loftier than we could imagine, and the next just be at rock bottom. And if this is all we have is in our discipleship, we, we end up riding the roller coaster of our emotions. We get tossed to and fro with the waves of experience. Finally, there's a, a third type, uh, or at least that I'm mentioning today, and, and these are the just-do-it disciples, right? Nike disciples, maybe? No, okay. Um, these people who are maybe, maybe you're sitting here on a Sunday and you're, and you're already a little agitated that you're sitting here and you're looking and you're like, man, we're wasting money on a building and we've got these lights that we're burning energy and we could be out there feeding the homeless and we could be out there, you know, loving the poor. Why aren't we doing more? Um, these, these are the people that are prone to, they just want to help people, right? Even, even push comes to shove, uh, Jesus, hey, he's good, but really I just, I just want to do good. And really, what, what when, we, when we focus on the scriptures, we're looking maybe at more of like, what did Jesus tell us to do? Like, we skip over all the theology. We don't want to deal with emotions. We just want to do what he did, right? We just want to, we want to love the poor. We want to do good. And, and I want to say this again. I want to remind you, doing good and obedience is an important part of discipleship. We are a do-good people. We are a good works people. But if we reduce discipleship to, go, to doing and we remove it from the atmosphere of grace which empowers and motivates, then we're prone to lose our way. At some point, we forget who, why we are doing what we're doing. 
At some point, we let go of sound doctrine in favor of just doing what we think is good to help others. We might lose sight of uh, even the God who is hidden in favor of the things that are just before us. We lose sight of the spiritual realities of the world and only can meet the needs of, of the things right in front of us. You see, in all of this, in all these problems I mentioned of discipleship, I think we have to learn to be a people who say and, not or. It's not head or heart. It's not head or hands. Discipleship, holistic, wholehearted discipleship is head and heart and hands. God's grace wants to transform the whole person, the whole of who you are. And I would guess that as I'm listing these, I know some of these are a little bit more comical and, and stereotypes, and I, again, I apologize lightly if I've offended you, but I, I would guess that each of us could probably identify one or two of these areas that we tend to kind of exclusively view discipleship in. And, and then there's probably one or two of these areas that we realize, yeah, I, I, I don't really like to, I like to shy away from that, you know? Um, you can probably think of people in your life who are, who are really mature in maybe one of these areas, but, but in others, there's a lack of maturity. Now, part of this is due to the fact that we're sinners, and, and we need to grow up. We need, that's why we're in the church. We need to grow up into disciples. But another part of this lack is that God designed it where we would need one another, where we would need a body, a community of people who, who we learn from. And this brings me to the, to the second thing I want to point out from our text, that discipleship is ecclesiological. Now, grab your brain real quick. You might say, ecclesial, what? Ecclesiological, okay? Ecclesiology is a fancy word for kind of the doctrine or understanding of the church. It comes from the word ecclesia, which means assembly or coming together of people, okay? So it's, it's basically I'm saying church. Uh, but but it, it sounded better. So, um, and I wanted to teach you a fancy word. Bobble, yeah, bobble, there's bobblehead. Um, wholehearted discipleship is impossible apart from the church. Lone Ranger discipleship leads us to grow as disciples in, in a deformed way, right? We tend to, kind of like our social media is, we tend to polarize into one of these categories and, and exclusively look to maybe if you're the bobblehead disciple, you're looking at blogs and podcasts and resources that reinforce bobblehead discipleship, right? And you might even run across some, some uh, content from one of these other, maybe someone else who's gifted in these other areas, and you might kind of, eh, I don't, I don't want that, Right? But we have been given the body of Christ so that we can learn from the, from the diversity of gifts that are among us. Um, for example, uh, let, me, let me just move forward here. That was a mean example. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, part of the beauty of the church is that God calls us together around Jesus with various gifts and strengths so we can grow together. Right? Imagine this church family. What if... Rather than being polarized like our culture and separating from anyone who has any thinking different than mine, what if we embrace the fact that God has called us together around Christ? We have different gifts. Here in Acts, they had different ethnicities and backgrounds. There was a diversity, but we come together and we learn from each other, right? 
If you're the bobblehead disciple, you might be really annoyed to be in gospel community, which is our, our small groups. You might be really annoyed to be with the, with the, with the just-do-it disciple, right? You might think they are so shallow and they just want da 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 You might be judging. What if God put you together so you could actually learn and encourage and, and rub off on each other? What if your gifts are not the whole, but just a part? And God made you as a body so that no single part would be the whole, but that we needed to come together to really grow. What if we recognize that while we have maybe matured in one area, there's other areas that we are very weak in. And we need to embrace God's call to wholehearted discipleship. You see, God wants to transform the whole of who you are. And part of the means of grace that he's given to do this is to bring you into a diverse family that's centered around Jesus. You see, discipleship is not one expert pressuring everyone else to become like them. That's an uh, ego cult, or, uh, you know, I, don't, I can't think of the term. It is one Lord who gives his spirit to the church, a community where all are sinners and in need of growth. And yes, there's leaders, there's pastors, but newsflash, they need to grow too. So we're kind of leading you as the first, uh, uh, first among sinners. And all of us are growing in Christ. This is the picture of the church. We, we see this in the book of Acts in, in, in miniature, right? They were coming together to learn from the apostles. I've mentioned that. They were coming together. They were sharing a common life. They opened their homes to one another. They ate together. And guess what? They weren't all alike. In fact, there were many people that didn't even speak the same language. That's part of the miraculous events of Pentecost, is that they were hearing and learning about Jesus in their own heart language. And yet the Spirit has brought all these people together with all these different ethnicities and backgrounds and experiences so that there might be a whole body of Christ. They were a diverse family coming together around Jesus. Now, if we, it's important that when we say church, that we recognize that the church is not just this, although this is important, Sunday gatherings, but the church is also scattered, right? This, this gathering, as I mentioned earlier, is a primary means of grace that God has given to grow you up through the regular and repeated teaching of Scripture, confessing of sin, Pre, uh, preaching, partaking of the word, partaking of the sacraments. This is an important means, but it's not everything it means to be the church, right? At the, that little and or thing I taught you earlier, that could probably apply to quite a few things in our life. Um, it's, it's not just gathering on Sundays. It's also and, that doesn't grammatically sound right, but it's and scattering in community, we scatter and we share life together. We see this rhythm in the early church in the book of Acts. And for us, we hope that our gospel communities, which are our smaller group structure, we hope that these facilitate, the kind of give the structure for that kind of life-on-life -life community to take place, right? Sharing meals with those who are different, uh, with those who have different giftings. Uh, we can learn from one another. There's people who not only will, will, will you learn from them, but you have something God has given you to, to teach them. You have a gift to share. 
We, we open up God's word together in gospel communities, and, and we wrestle with it together, right? There's a, a different aspect of studying the word that happens in, in community setting than, than here on Sundays, and they're both needed. We need both of them. We need to hear from different perspectives. We need to hear from your questions. We need to wrestle with hard texts and, and, and do theology in community to learn and grow. We need to challenge one another with grace and truth, confessing not only corporately our sins as we do on Sunday, but personally to those we're in community with, those who we trust. We're meeting needs of one another, loving one another like family, doing good to one another and those in our city, growing together in Christ. A few weeks ago, our family was sick, and it was beautiful to see. I mean, our church, we're almost just second nature to this, right? Uh, and, and immediately we had texts of people praying for us. There were people sending meals, and, and, and I apologize if that wasn't your experience when you were sick, but we, it was ours. So um, <laughs> we, we received meals. Somebody sent us cookies, which I, are always good for my, uh, my joy, maybe bad for my health. But it was, it was beautiful to see the body of Christ go to work. We got, we got to, guess what? We got to do the same thing the following week to other people. Pray for them, send them things. Hey, do you need anything? This is, imagine if we were just a bunch of bobbleheads and, and we just said, well, I will, I will think about your situation and give you my philosophical answer late, right? No, we need to do, we need to do, we need to love one another. We need to be committed to good works, to love each other, to be the body of Christ. Um, and it was, it's a beautiful picture of what it means to be the church, not only on Sundays, but in community. And my third thing I want to point out here is this, is if we neglect the call to maturity, to wholehearted discipleship, if we reduce it to just one, it leaves huge gaps in our maturity and glaring inconsistencies. And guess what? The church feels it. And not only do we as a church feel this malnourishment, but our city only sees a half Christ. Wholehearted discipleship is, is, is a benefit to you. It's a benefit to us as a church, but it also is a benefit to our community. Why? Because they get to see a holistic picture of Jesus. They get to see the whole Christ. Not perfectly, we're not perfect, but they get to see the fullness of who God is. You see, discipleship is wholehearted in nature. It's ecclesiologically centered, and it is missional. This is my third point. We see this in the ancient church in Acts as the Spirit was calling people together into this new life, this beautiful rhythm of life shared together, of people growing into wholehearted discipleship. And guess what happens in 46 and 47? Look at this. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Look at this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, maturity in Christ is an enormous gift to us, but it's not just about us. It's about our witness to Christ in the world. When we together are growing into wholehearted disciples, it gives those around us a fuller picture of who God is and what he has done. It puts the gospel of Jesus in a real world. A wholehearted group of disciples offer the world a whole picture of Christ. You see, many of your neighbors have encountered, encountered a witness that comes to them in words but not deeds. Many of your, of your neighbors have encountered a witness that comes to them in deeds with no explanation. Many of your, of your neighbors have seen people raising their hands and being kooky and crazy, but they don't understand. 
What if we, in word, in deed, in, in, in affection, gave a holistic witness to our neighbor? What if, we, what if we served them, but rather than just saying, hey, I'm just a good dude or just a good gal, we said, hey, you know what? Actually, let me tell you why I serve you. Because Jesus served me. Or maybe when, when they're observing those, those, you know, those 12 cars at your house that maybe irritate them slightly, and, and those people that come over, why do you open your home every week? And what, are, what is this people? Well, Christ opened his home to me. He opened his heart to me. And so we open our heart to one another. You see, as we get, begin to embrace holistic discipleship, what happens is our witness becomes fuller in the world. It doesn't have to be perfect. But as we grow up into Christ and these things together, our neighbors begin to see. This is the kind of picture, the kind of disciple we want to be here in Round Rock. And I'll, I'll move to my fourth point. Fourth and final thing I want to observe from the text. I don't want to skip this. Last week, Jordan kind of, he, he unpacked this quite a bit, but we're still going to mention it. When we look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, we can't forget that the prerequisite when talking about discipleship, all of this, all of what we just mentioned, the prerequisite, the power for discipleship comes from the Holy Spirit working through the word. We started this series by looking at the apostles' teaching. Last week, we talked about the spirit-filled nature of the church. Without the empowering presence of the spirit working through the gospel, we have no power to change. This is the primary means God has given us to grow into wholehearted disciples. Um, when I was in, in sixth grade, I hit the pinnacle of my math career. Um, I'm real proud of this. I'll just share this moment. I, uh, there was a challenge where if you made 100 on every uh, final exam, you got to spend a whole day in the gym, got a Dr. Pepper, a king-size uh, king candy bar of your choice. It was really the dream in sixth grade. And I was one of three students that, that did that. And one of those tests was my math test, made 100 on it, right? So pinnacle, okay? Now, as I progressed in mathematics, um, it, I, I, I entered a class, I think it was in ninth grade, where my teacher, um, bless his heart, he would give us homework assignments, but what we figured out is he doesn't actually look at the assignments. In fact, you could do one, they call them problem sets. You also do problem sets, kids? You also do problem sets? Okay, so you do one problem set, don't do this, kids, by the way. Um, you do one problem set, and then for the rest of the semester, you just change the heading. And, and okay, problem set two. Okay, here you got it, 100. Okay. And we figured this out. And, and it was going great until the end of the semester when you've got to take tests, and you don't know anything, right? And, and what happened was, what really, after that moment, my mathematics career became survival, like all the way to college when I passed with like a 72 in calculus, Okay. So, um, but, but what happened was I lost the prerequisite knowledge to be able to, to keep building and, and growing in doing math, right? If you actually do the work, it's still hard. It's very hard for me, but, but, but you can build up and, and do it, right? And I think some of us, when we, when, we, when we talk about discipleship and growing in these ways, we, we can start getting, trying to do the real hard things of, you know, loving our neighbor, uh, of, of, you know, having, having, having our affections turned to Jesus, of, of learning, and, and we can lose the prerequisite of the Spirit in all that. 
And, and I just want to encourage you this morning. Some of you, maybe even you hear these first three things and you're like, man, I'm just tired. I'm just whipped. I've tried that. I can't do it. I fail. Maybe that's true. But part of this, even this series in Acts, is for us to go back to the basics. And, and it foundational to discipleship is the filling of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this apart from the empowering presence of the Spirit. If you're in Christ, you have the Spirit. You've been given the Spirit. And we must go to the Spirit to help us in our weakness, to help us grow in doing good, to help us change and reorder our affections. Right? That's part of why we gather around the Word, so the Spirit will work through the means. We, we go to the Scriptures, we learn theology, we wrestle with those things, not apart from the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit leads us into newness of life. And we can't skip that. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. And so I want to close with this. Redeemer family, I believe God is inviting you and me to wholehearted discipleship. This year, maybe you've kind of been on autopilot, and it's easy to understand why in 2020, 2021, whatever year we're in now, 2022. We've all got, we need compassion. But here's what I want to encourage you. Engage in wholehearted discipleship. Jump into a gospel community and don't just leave them because they don't do it for you. Don't just leave them because they don't have as much theology as you. Don't just leave them because they're not servant. See that maybe God has put you in that group to engage it so you can grow and they can grow. And then I want, I want you to not only grow there, but I want you to do that amongst non-believers. So don't, don't just huddle up and, and become a holy huddle. Do that and love one another and make sure you're bumping elbows and rubbing up against your neighbors and your friends and your family who don't know Jesus so they can see a holistic witness. They can see a group of people committed to wholehearted discipleship. Our culture needs to see people who aren't hypocrites, who aren't just strong in one area and, and blaringly lacking in others. They need to see wholehearted disciples who point to Jesus as the whole Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you, you've, you could have just saved us and said, okay, I'll see you in heaven, but you say, I, I want to rescue you, not just from the, the penalty of sin, but from the presence and power of sin right now. And there are, there are some here who have struggled mightily. They've struggled with addiction. They've struggled with depression. They, they've struggled with just even getting it right, maybe just loving their spouse or connecting, or they've struggled to grasp theological concepts, would you, Holy Spirit, help us as your church this morning? Would you be the empowering presence that helps us to grow up together into Christ so that we may experience the joy of knowing you and be a light and a witness to our city? We ask this, Holy Spirit. We need you to work in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.